We're still talking about prayer, and I hope we're doing more than talking about it. Hopefully the past few weeks and what has now become months has not only informed us, but more importantly, I trust that it is inspiring you to realize that this is something that none of us will ever become professionals at. You know that old adage, do not try this at home, I am a professional. Well, please try this at home because none of us are professionals. And it doesn't matter how long you've walked with God, how many prayers you've prayed, none of us, none of us are professionals. We're all practitioners and we're all learning together. But we're talking about review, just by way of review, we're talking about what it means to pray by the Spirit and pray in the Spirit. We've learned that all prayer, all prayer must be Spirit-enabled. As much as Scripture is God-breathed in a real sense, the real breath of prayer is the capital S. It is the Spirit. It is the pneuma of God Himself. And we've been looking at certain aspects and ways that the Holy Spirit works in and through us to pray the will of the Father. And we've looked at two ways, apparent and transparent. We're going to get to the apparent tonight, but we were looking at the transparent over the past few weeks and some different ways that God prays through us. We've learned that God is our great advocate of prayer, and he does that in two of of his three persons. We know that the Son is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I right now. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus knew you and I were going to need some help. And so there he is talking to daddy about you. And yet we find yet another part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, is now on the inside of us making intercession as well. So two-thirds of the Godhead is busy at work in this very moment making prayers on your behalf. That's kind of cool, isn't it? We also learned that it's through the Holy Spirit that we have access, Ephesians 2. The affirmation that the Holy Spirit brings that we are sons and daughters. The assurance of that which is yet to come. The down payment, if you wish. The Holy Spirit in us that promising us that we were marked in him with a seal of that which is coming up. And then it accelerates and motivates. The Holy Spirit is a catalyst. He's prompting us. He's speeding things up in and around our life. And so tonight, I want to move on and I want to talk about now the, the apparent, the outworking, those things now that are, that are not just those Romans 8, those deep things that are happening that we are unaware of. But I want to talk about now those things whereby the Holy Spirit is inspiring us. He's speaking to us. He is, we cooperate with those urgings and those, uh, those, those uh, nudgings, if you wish. I want to talk about what that looks like and how we can cooperate. So what motivates us to pray? What motivates us to pray? James chapter 5 Verse 13, is any of you in trouble? Then he should pray. 
Not call Pastor Donnell, you should pray. Start right there. And Pastor Donnell says, Is anyone happy? Then it says, let him sing songs of praise. And so right here in the book of James, we find two motivations for prayer. One is petitionary. Jesus was very happy to tell his disciples, pray, ask for those things that you need. Praise, what we're grateful for. That's, that's, always, not, that's, that's always a good thing to have inherent in your prayers. I mean, even your children will tell you how nice your hair looks if they're trying to get a bump in their allowance, won't they? You know, Mom, that was the greatest meal I've ever had in my entire life. That was just the best bowl of cornflakes that anybody has ever put in front of another human being. What do you want? So somewhere, some praise needs to be in there as well. But then I want to talk about tonight prophetic prayers. You see, all of you thought I was going to talk about tongues, and I'm going to get there. Eventually, I keep promising, you said that a month ago, we'll get there. But it occurred to me as I began to prepare this message that this is another way that the Holy Spirit works to inspire us to pray. Prophetic prayers, praying that which the Spirit inspires us to utter. And in so doing, we find this union of the mind or cognition and the Spirit. When we're praying prophetic prayers, and I'll define this more for you in a moment, but when we're really praying that which we know God has delivered to us revelationally, then not only is something happening in our spirit, but it's also happening in our mind concurrently. We're cooperating, but the spirit is initiating. It speaks beautifully to the conundrum that Paul brings up in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, let me hasten to say that Paul is making a case here for tongues and interpretation as it involves a public service. Don't worry about it if you don't understand it. We'll unpack it before it's over with. But he says, for this reason, 1 Corinthians 14, beginning in verse 13, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, what is a tongue? It is a language that someone doesn't know. So whether it's a known foreign language somewhere on the earth or whether it's a language that only heaven knows, that's what's referred to here as a tongue. For if I pray in a tongue, it says, my spirit prays, but my mind is what? It's unfruitful. Okay? Now, I mean, I I can tell some of you are just sitting there with your foot on the gas, say, come on, let's go with that, all right? But hang on. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my what? Mind or understanding. I'll sing with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind. And I believe that what we find here, when you are praying prophetic prayers, It is a beautiful collusion of both the mind and the spirit coming together. Because what God is doing, he is bringing revelation down to your realm so that you can understand it, and yet you weren't the one that made it up. It came from him to begin with. And so this is a a great way of seeing how these things move together. Now, the other way the Holy Spirit 
cooperates or initiates prayer, he moves upon us. That's a great Pentecostal word, by the way. He moves upon us. If you've ever been moved upon by the Holy Ghost, then you know what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about this. I'm not just talking about falling out and the stop, drop, and roll and the courtesy drop. That's not all I'm talking about to my Pentecostal brethren that say, yeah, talk about that. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to help my more evangelical brethren here tonight so people, people don't run out of here with their hair on fire. So, but you can be moved on by the Spirit in a number of different ways that don't involve this. Okay? That was very white. I realize that. So you, you just, just help me out and I'm old because... You get, to be, you get to be as old as Pastor Duke and I, and you do stuff like that and lose your balance and fall, <laughs> break a hip. But move. What does it look like to be moved by the Spirit to pray? That's what I'm talking about. We find it beautifully in Luke chapter 2. Again, a couple of old folk. Simeon been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't die before he had, what, seen the Lord's Christ, verse 27 of Luke 2, moved by the Spirit. It wasn't that this was time to do it. It wasn't on his calendar. We don't get the idea that it was even every time, you know, the same time every day, but it says moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So when the Holy Spirit did something. He nudged him. He said, you need to go now. He moved. He moved. And then we find this other dear woman named Anna. The Bible calls her a prophetess. A prophetess. And she'd been there for a while too. And it says that she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So here's two examples of folks who are moved on by the Holy Spirit in order to pray. But let's talk a little bit more specifically now. What are some of the mechanics and the motivations that get us there? Well, first of all, it's revelation from God. And it's both as a prompting and a gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. The intercessor, and if, we, if you'll just let me for a moment not capitalize the word intercessor. Okay, if we can just use for the sake of this message a small I intercessor simply as one who prays. Because it's easier for me to say intercessor than prayer. All right, so can we just get all of our connotations away from that word for a moment just for the sake of this message. But the intercessor is receiving the very same revelation that someone who is gifted in prophecy is receiving. It's the same revelation that is being either dropped by God or pulled down. We'll talk about that process in a moment. But they're receiving the same information. All revelation is is heavenly information that God is revealing to you in this moment. 
That's all it is. It's just heavenly information. And the intercessor and the prophetic guy is getting it. They're getting the same stuff. And the mechanics of how revelation comes to us verbally, visionary, visions and dreams. Let's look at this for a moment. We find a number of words in the original Hebrew that all can be translated for prophet or prophecy. And these these four words are very specific, three of them in particular, as to the method by which God gets our attention and delivers that information. It would be a little bit like there's a number of different ways that a package can come to your home. USPS, UPS, and FedEx. But the package all gets delivered just in slightly different ways. This is the same way that God can deliver information to you and to me. Now, the first word that we find is the word Massa, M-A-S-S-A. And this is a very interesting word in that it literally translates burden. This is fascinating. Now, understand, this is a Hebrew word for prophet. And yet, remember now, as we look at the original languages of Hebrew and Greek, these are very descriptive languages that don't just put a word out there, but they begin to unpack what that word entails. And this word means literally burden. And it means either the burden or weight of a heavy load or the lifting up of the soul as in prayer or in worship. Let me give you an example of that. Daniel, the 10th chapter. Verses 1 through 3. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation, here we go, was given to Daniel. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. And the understanding of the message came to him in a vision. So here we've got revelation. It's come from heaven. The methodology was a vision. He saw something. Now look at his response. Verse 2, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. And so here we see the prophets receiving this revelation by means of a vision, but yet it also came to him and he received it as a what? As a burden. How many of you have ever used language like this? I felt a burden to pray. Come on. We use that word all the time. But most of the time, what we think is the burden is an emotional response to something that we've heard in the natural. We always just say, well, it's just, it's just my emotions. You know, I, 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 saw the, I saw the child in Ethiopia and Sally Struthers was, and I sent them the $19 a month. And, and, and so you think that that is an emotional, come on, it's an emotional response. But what if that burden was not just an emotional response? What if that burden was really a spiritual prompt? What if it really was God delivering information to you through that methodology? 
So many times, I think, as believers, we become suspect of our emotions because we've been taught that forever. Don't trust your emotions. Be led by the Spirit. Could I help you? What if we could get our emotions sanctified and tied to the Spirit enough that our emotions and our spiritual inclinations did not have to be in conflict? I would love to think I could walk with God long enough that... That, that, that I would not have to be constantly at war between my emotions and the leading of the Holy Ghost. What would happen is somehow these things could converge and we could begin to say, you know what, I don't have to be at war with myself anymore. That I can actually be burdened about something. I can be happy about something and not step back and say, is that God? What you talking about, Willis? I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Lord, right? I need a nap or something. I'm in the wrong time zone right now. All right. So there's burden that comes to us revelationally, but there's also burden that comes to us based on what? Natural observation. Nehemiah chapter 1, listen to this. He gets a report. He said, I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived in the city. And they said, those who survived are back in the province in great trouble and disgrace. The wall's broken down. Its gates have been burned. This is Nehemiah. Verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And for days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, they're both getting burdens, but we see that Daniel's burden came as a result of revelation. Nehemiah's burden came as a result of information in the natural, but the outworking was exactly the same. They were what? They were burdened. And what did they do with that burden? They prayed. Hmm. And often, this burden is a prophetic nudge to both receive and then release the burden of God. See, this is a mysterious thing for me. But somehow, and you've, you've heard me say this before, but intercession is this unique moment where God brings us not only into his presence, but uniquely into his counsel. It's not that he needs our advice, but God is somehow saying, I want to show you something. Not, not that I need your wisdom, not that I need you to try to be God, but I'm going to bring you into a little something right here. And then God will give, give us a peek into that, which is, if, you, if I could use an anthropomorphic phrase, is a burden to him in this moment. Now, we know God's God. He's got it all worked out. He's good to go. He knows it's all going to work out in the end anyway. But if just work with me for a moment. He's, he's bringing us into his counsel. He shows us something, and not that we're anything special, and he doesn't want us to try to be little gods and carry that thing around, but what he wants us to do is to do what? Release. Receive, release. Say it with me. Receive, release. And we figure that out. You're not going to be walking around like this anymore. And you see people that God has called uniquely to long periods of prayer and intercession. And all of a sudden, they just they look like they've been 
you know, just sucking on citrus for a while, you know, just. If you knew what I knew, well, I didn't, I don't want to know what you know. Because it obviously ain't working for you because your face is all twisted up and stuff. And you all bent over. And yet God will bring us into these moments. And he will do it by releasing a burden to us. God prompts our prayers. Another word for prophet in the Hebrew is the word nabah, N-A-B-A. And that word is, 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 is picturesque of something it says to bubble up. Or to gush forth like a spring. To bubble up or to gush forth. Job 32, verses 18 through 20, Job is speaking. I'm full of words. Help, I'm talking and I can't shut up. I'm full of words. And it says, the spirit within me compels me. Small s here. Inside I'm like bottled up wine, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak and find relief, and I must open my lips and reply. That nabah many times is, is rather than the burden, you feel something on the inside where you need to open your mouth and you need to pray. You know that you've got to get with God, and whatever this thing is on the inside that you feel like that you're getting ready to just split open and give birth to the alien, then you need, you need, to, you need to open your mouth and you begin to pray. Praise works the same way. There should be some moments where you just can't be quiet anymore. I mean, he says, you know, if you won't do it, the rocks will do it. And I haven't seen any rocks with, with lips lately. And yet something on the inside of us should be so compelled by the goodness of God that this should be, this should be almost a proof text, if you wish, for how praise should spontaneously come forth in our lives as well. Full of words. And the spirit within me compels me to pray. Again, a word for prophecy. Nabah. We find one of the young men in scripture, Barnabas, son of encouragement. But if you dig a little deeper, you find out Barnabas was a prophet. As a matter of fact, we find the word Nabah right in his name. Barnabas. He was a prophet. And the words that he spoke were, were in keeping with 1 Corinthians 14, 3, that spirit, the prophecy brings forth, uh, what is it, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That's a hallmark of good prophecy. He was a, that's what he was. And yet it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, it says the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, which means then that this is, as we, we begin to talk about the gift of tongues this is where you don't have to worry about, you know, jumping up on, you know, at one of the remaining Kmarts that are still open and grabbing the microphone and, you know, just beginning to talk in tongues. And they come and they, uh, they call someone and they take you away. I mean, you see people, oh, the Holy Spirit made me do it. I, I, I had to. No, you didn't. The way the Holy Spirit works in us is like water under pressure. But you're the one with your hand on the valve all the time. You can choose to speak or not speak. Somebody, you didn't understand the heart. Nope. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the control of the prophets. And that's not just speaking about prophets and prophecy, but that's any way that the Holy Spirit wants to move and manifest himself through our life.
Nod your head so you'll understand that. Amen? Because many people, as they step into spiritual gifting from God, they're terrified that God's going to take over. I know prior to coming into that gift myself, many, many years ago, tongues specifically, I didn't know how it worked. I don't know if it was like automatic handwriting of the tongue and, you know, I was going to be in class someday and just go off in another language and they were going to ask me to leave college. I, I didn't know how it worked. But the reality is it's like a valve. You can cut it on and off. And then the third word we find is the word nataf, N-A-T-A-F, which means to fall like drops of rain. This is when all of a sudden it may not be a burden from without. It may not be something kind of on the inside waiting to come up and inspire our praying, but it could just be all of a sudden God just gives you something, some piece of information. Now, we call it the word of knowledge in the prophetic business. That, that nugget that used no way that you would have known that specific piece of information about that person or that situation unless God inspired it. You would have had no way of knowing But how many times will God do the same thing in our prayer life if we'll listen? We're zoned out. We're just doing whatever. And all of a sudden says, pray for so-and-so. You've had it happen. Come on, nod your head. Let me know you're breathing out there. And all of a sudden, somebody's face will flash in front of you. You may not even know what God just says, pray and pray now. And someday, maybe, maybe you'll have a situation, you know, Last Thursday, the Holy Spirit just puts you on my heart. There's, there's some more charismatic language. God puts you on my heart. Oh, really? Well, guess what just happened? You had a Nataf. Revelation came to you inspired by the Holy Ghost. A Nataf came to you and says, you know, at 4 o'clock I was praying. What was going on? Oh, I was in my boss's office. And it was getting ready to get real. As a matter of fact, you're getting ready to get real ugly in that moment. And then all of a sudden, I just, I don't know what happened, but it like, you know, Gabriel came down and just clamped his hand over my mouth. And I'm still employed today. And that's why you're glad that there are folk in this church like Christopher Clark and Pastor Donnell and, you know, about two dozen other folk that gather on Friday night and keep this whole boat afloat here. That people that are really, they're tuned in, they're listening. And so when an atoff comes, they don't pass it off as, oh, as it's, no, no, they're listening. They're paying attention. So whether it's the external burden, the master, the internal bubbling up, the nabah, whether or not it's the natoff that's just dropping on top of us, guess what all these are? They're prompts to pray, and they're all by the Holy Ghost. And they're all part and parcel of prophecy revelation how it comes to us and then there's another great word it's the word debar not by bar that's an elephant the word dabar and this is this word literally means word but it carries with it the connotation That within that word, there is divine DNA, and that word can accomplish itself. I love this concept. That the idea that because God, 1 John, is inseparable from his word, that God has said it, 
Because God in his word, the word is God. When that word is there, that word will literally drive itself forward. It's automatic. Now, we hear something. We need to receive it with faith and with obedience. Nod your head. So I'm not excusing us from it. But listen to me. God's purposes are bigger than you are. God's purposes are bigger than your faith and they're bigger than your obedience. You better smile and nod your head to that. Let me just tell you. There was no faith in nothing. Read your book in the beginning. There was nothing. There was no faith saying, yeah, strong champ, go ahead. I got you. There was, there was no obedience in the part of nothing. God, the, 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 the bar of God came forth and God said and God created. That's how powerful his word is. We still don't believe that. We still don't really believe that yet, but we'll get there. The word has the power to accomplish itself. I have to tell this testimony. I'm not even sure that it works in the message. I don't care. I just got to keep talking about it. My wife and I met this amazing woman in, in Poland a few years ago. My, we just got back from, from Spain and Poland. And she is involved in Bible translation, travels to some really ugly places around the globe, and people groups that are too small for a larger group like Wycliffe to come in. So she goes in and she literally trains translators. So she was somewhere in a North African situation and she got hung up with a witch doctor and she came back and her health began to come come apart this was the beginning of last year I mean losing weight couldn't keep food couldn't couldn't eat in pain all the time and my wife and I were there last May she looked didn't look good never tell a woman she didn't look good but she didn't look good and I remember God just 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 said just tell her this I'm not finished with you yet. That was it. That was a whole prophecy. You just tell her that. Within literally weeks after I left, she was diagnosed with a stage four stomach cancer. And the doctor, doctor number one said, it's untreatable. Get your affairs in order. This is a woman in her mid to late 40s. Doctor number two, same diagnosis. Doctor number three, same diagnosis. And yet, doctor number four looked again. Hmm. He looked beyond what was already on the page and said, I'm not quite sure about this. And began to look and realize she didn't have a stage four stomach cancer at all. And began to treat her. And we were, we were teaching last Saturday morning and I saw this young woman in, in the seminar I was teaching, I didn't quite recognize her. And she came and she, and she was making icons. She knew me. And so as she was coming up at the break, the pastor leaned over and says, that's Alina, Alina. I said, what? That's Alina. Not only had God healed her, she looked 20 years younger this woman had been bipolar since she was 12 years old and on medication. God rewired her brain. She's completely normal. Amen. 
You know why? Because God wasn't finished with her yet. Now, did she have to go through the stuff? Yeah, she had to go through the stuff. But here she is on the other side of it, and now she's got trip after trip after trip planned to continue to translate scriptures all around this world. That's because God's word will not return void. But you see, we war, listen to me, we war with this word, do we not? It's why Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.4, I think. He said, war a good warfare with the prophecies once made about you. Now, if we could just move that word prophecies, because many times we think, you know, it's, it's, a guy, it's a man, it's a woman, they're opening their mouth, they're giving me a word. But if we could just move that from, from that very narrow definition to revelation, we war a good warfare with a revelation that God has revealed to you and to me. We grab that word and we hang on to it and say, God, you showed me out of this Bible. You brought the rhema word to me off this page. We grab that word that we heard and from Pastor Brett on Sunday, we've made it ours. We go to war with that. We pray that word. But it's the Holy Ghost that does it. And you see, with the Spirit-initiated revelation and prayer comes two things, clarification and confirmation. Daniel, the ninth chapter, verses 1 through 4. It says, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures according to the word previously given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God, pleaded with him where? In prayer and petition, fasting, sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord and confessed. And the next 16 chapters is just confessing. Confessing sins for himself and for his nation. Let me just tell you. Somewhere in this Holy Spirit-inspired prayer, because we know that the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world in regards to sin and righteousness, somewhere inherent is going to be repentance. Somewhere in there is going to be, you know what, God? I'm not, but you are. God, as a nation, we're not. Forgive us. I was reading an article today, Ann Graham Lotz, Billy Graham's daughter, is that correct? She basically has written off the United States. Declared Ichabod over it. Done. We're living in those days of judgment. God is lifting his grace. Now, maybe, maybe not. Don't know. But all I can say is we can still pray like Daniel prayed. We can still repent for ourselves and on behalf of the nation of which we find ourselves and ask God for mercy. But then we go down to verses 20 through 23. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, making my request to the Lord, while I was still in prayer, listen to this, Gabriel The man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. And he instructed me and said, Daniel, I've now come to you, listen, to give you insight and understanding. Insight and understanding. Clarification will come to us 
when we're praying, directed by it in the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse 23, this is Gabriel speaking to Daniel. As soon as you begin to pray, an answer was given. As soon as you begin to pray, which I have now come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. And see, God will speak to us in revelatory ways that are, they're both part and parcel of the nudging of God, the gifts of God, the calling of God. What have I said? Praying people by necessity have to also be a spirit-directed and a spirit-filled people. You know, what's fascinating is that we've not yet really talked about the outworking of any specific spiritual gift. But we've alluded to a few. Tongues, prophecy, discernment being but three. Yet beyond specific gifts, one of the nine that we find in 1 Corinthians 12, we need the Spirit to direct and focus our prayers. I think we all agree with that. And provide the debar, the power to send those prayers forward. You know, I don't believe that revelation is something that's just for a handful of gifted individuals. Because the revelation of God, God speaking to us, is part and parcel, first of all, of relationship. There's no such thing as relationship without communication. So why would it be that God would only speak to a Pastor Jim LaFoon or Pastor Donnell or something? No, 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 no. God's speaking to all of us. Job 33 is very clear. It says, God is always speaking, though a man may not perceive it. But I believe he's speaking to us, not just so we can recycle and regurgitate a word to give to somebody. I believe this becomes the very foundation and the seedbed of prayer itself. Holy Spirit conception. Holy Spirit delivery. Pray with me.